Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Now we live in a world of uncertainty. Things seem to change day by day. We hear of a threat, something happening. We hear of something else happening. We hear of some guy rattling the saber with different things and throws people into alarm and people get worried and concerned. And but today we're going to look at even when all those things are going on, absolute sovereignty. Absolute sovereignty. Now the word absolute in English is defined as this. Total. Total. Total sovereignty. And today we'll look at our God, and this is not the God that's being proclaimed out in goat pens out in the world, because they they proclaim a God who wants to do something but can't, who's absolutely powerless. But God's preachers, we get up and we proclaim to God's people, and you love to hear it, and I love to hear it too, a God who is absolutely sovereign, who's in full control. No matter what we see, no matter what comes our way, our God is absolutely sovereign. Absolutely. Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 to 37. Now, Nebuchadnezzar has been eating grass for a little while. The Lord is bottom low. Now, remember this too, who Nebuchadnezzar is. Nebuchadnezzar is a king over a vast kingdom. He knows what it means to rule. He knows what it means that what he says happens. Right? Because he's a king of a vast domain. And he can say they live, or he can say they die. Well, he got a little too proud, like we all do. And the Lord bought him down, bought him low. Look at Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 to 37. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. Now remember, this is a king speaking whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. He's been taught something. He's been taught something, beloved. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will. There's the one will that rules everything. Right there. God's will. There's only really one free will in the whole universe, and it's God's. It's God's. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned on me, and, 
And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, now remember, he's a king, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven. The king of heaven. All whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he's what? He's able to abase. He's able to abase the proud, isn't he? And every one of God's people say, yep, he did that to me. He bases proud sinners, doesn't he? Now, he shows mercy to his people. But there's one day when, when proud sinners who he's passed by, boy, oh boy, on that great day of judgment, they'll be crying for the mountains to fall upon them when they stand in his presence. Turn over, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Paul wrote to Timothy over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5 this. But watch thou, 2 Timothy 4, 5, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4, 5. But watch thou in all things, Watch thou, be aware. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Timothy's to be alert. He's to be alert. He's to be watchful. He's to be steady in all things. And he's encouraged by the Apostle Paul to endure all hardness, to endure all afflictions, and to endure all trouble which comes up. He's encouraged to keep his eyes upon Christ. And it's the same for us, beloved. No matter what goes on in this world, we're to keep our eyes fixed on the one who's upon the throne, on the one who's ruling and reigning. But Timothy is to make full proof of his ministry or perform all, all the duties of his ministry. Now, the duties of the ministry are not what men think they are, and yet the duties of the ministry are vast, and not one of us is sufficient for them. Our sufficiency is in Christ. And God teaches that to the preacher, and God teaches that to all his saints. We are not sufficient for these things, but our sufficiency is in Christ and him alone. And two things weigh heavy upon every gospel preacher. We want to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not want to preach ourselves or another gospel. We want to preach the free grace of God in Christ. And we want to preach Christ and Him crucified, just like Paul did. We want to preach the gospel of God's free grace in Christ Jesus our Lord, in which Paul is called... He's called the gospel of his glory. And that's what preachers want. We want to preach the gospel of his glory. See, man likes to glory in themselves. No, we want God to get all the glory. We want him to be glorified and magnified. And I desire to preach the gospel of God's free grace in such a way that men and women who are sinners are encouraged to trust and rest 
in our Savior. And we know, and I know by preaching, that it's only Christ who can draw a lost sinner. But every gospel preacher desires that God's people would be built up in Christ. Oh, that she'd just enter into the rest of Christ and trust Him more and more. That's our hope. Because as we study, we're encouraged to rest and to trust in Christ. I need to be encouraged that the Lord is in absolute control. Just like everyone else. And that's what happens when we study. And this is what we want to proclaim. We want to proclaim that Jesus Christ our Lord came to save sinners. He came to redeem lost sinners. He came to save His people from their sins. And He did that. In Isaiah... Our great God and King says this, Come now and let us reason together. Saith the Lord, Though your sins be as scarlet, double dye red, horrendous, they shall be white as snow. White as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So God's preachers, we desire to preach and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing that weighs heavy upon us is the low opinion that people have of God. The absolute low opinion that people have of God. And I know we've all found this when we talk to people. They have a very low opinion of God. And I know I did before the Lord saved me. They have no regard. Some folks have no regard for our great God and King. But we who proclaim the gospel of God's free grace in Christ Jesus our Lord, we proclaim the greatness and the majesty and the power of our great God and King. Brother John, that's why I had you read that psalm. It just magnifies the sovereignty and the power that our God has. And that's the God of the Bible. Not what folks are saying. That's what the Scripture says. And God's people, and God's preachers, we we mourn when people have such a low opinion of God. Some of the things that go on in this religious world out there, they profess to know God. Some of it's just appalling. It's absolutely appalling. And it's appalling to we who know Christ. It's offensive what they say about our God. My God wants to, but can't, unless you let him. What? That's not the God of the Bible. I love, I absolutely love what Brother John read there. And I just just came right out verse 9. For he spake and it was done. Does that sound like a God who wants to but can't do anything? He spake and it was done. Oh my. He commanded and it stood fast. Now think of that in our salvation. He said, you're mine. Oh, my. What mercy. What mercy he shows his people. 
The religious hucksters of this world are making merchandise of man's souls. All they care about is what they can gain. They say, send your money, and it'll grow. They're just hucksters. They're just a bunch of crooks. They all live in mansions, stealing people's money. And here's the Apostle Paul, who preached, and he's a tent maker by day. He's not after anyone's money. He just wants to preach and proclaim Christ and Him crucified. And every gospel preacher will tell you, we're not in, we're not in it for the money. We care about people's souls. We care about people's souls. We want to see, we want to see the Lord move and draw and save His people from their sins. And He does it. He does it. And it's absolutely incredible. So Paul, he was a church man. He didn't want to be a burden. Turn, if you would, to Acts 18. Paul didn't want to be a burden. He didn't want to be a burden to the Lord's church. His concern was preaching Christ. That was the absolute most important thing to Paul, was to preach Christ and Him crucified. And that's the most important thing to any grace preacher, to preach and proclaim Christ, that God would take the words of, of this feeble mouth and use them for his glory. Use them for his glory. Reveal Christ to you. Build you up as a saint of God. My. Look at Acts 18, verses 1 to 4. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, and his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Saturday. So every Saturday he went to the synagogue and reasoned and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. But look, his occupation, they were tent makers. So Paul would spend the week making tents. He didn't want to be a burden on the church. And then, and then every Sabbath day, He'd go and preach and proclaim Christ in the synagogues. Now, I imagine he talked about Christ through the week, too, while he was working, probably with his brother and sister here. <laughs> they probably had some wonderful talks. But you see, his, his desire was to preach the gospel. They labored, and then he preached the gospel to those who are at Thessalonica. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians 2.9. 1 Thessalonians 2.9. We saw, last week, we saw when, they, when Paul went to Thessalonica. But look what he says here in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.9. And then put your finger in Psalm 50. We'll go over there after that. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2.9. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. So he labored during the day and he taught at night. And His desire was to preach the gospel. And then turn to Psalm 50. Now, as I said, one of the burdens that grace preachers have is, is the, low, the low opinion people have of God. The low opinion that people have of God. There's no fear of God before their eyes. No seriousness when it comes to God. 
and they talk, they talk with such familiarity, right? Oh, he's my buddy. What? He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my King. My buddy is folks that I talk to on this earth, fellow humans, and people I get to know with. But God, he's my king. See the low esteem that people have? Now, he's our friend, isn't he? Scripture says that. He is our friend. But when people say, oh, he's my buddy, that's just so, that's just such a low opinion. Somebody said that this week, and it just riled me up. Such a low opinion of who God is. And you remember you used to see them stickers, God is my co-pilot. What? Come on. It's just a low esteem of who God is. No fear of God. And you see them stickers? No fear. Well, you're going to fear one day. I pray God will have mercy on you before that day. My goodness. My goodness. Look at Psalm 50. Do you know that as we sit here right now, that our God has given us the breath to breathe right now while we sit here? Every breath you take is from him. That's how in control he is right now. And every breath we take until our dying day comes from him. That's how absolutely in, in control our God is. He's, he's, he's an absolute sovereign, beloved. My goodness. My goodness. People flippantly use his name. And then they do this too. They talk of God and the devil like they're competitors. Satan is a created being. He's God's devil. Remember that. When you hear people start to vault Satan up higher than God, no, 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 no. Our God is absolutely sovereign and everything is under his feet. My, and he is a sovereign king, beloved. Look at Psalm 50, verses 21 to 23. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such, and one is yourself. So many people think that God is just like us. He is not like us at all. He is not like us. But, but Scripture says, we Thou thoughtest I was altogether such an one as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. And there be none to deliver you. Unless Christ delivers us from the wrath and justice of God, we have no deliverance at all. My my, whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. God's people have been showing the salvation of God. It's Christ. It's Christ. Rejoice, beloved, if he's revealed himself to you. Rejoice, you've been showing the salvation of God. My, Turn, if you would, over to, over to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. 
My, there's such a, such a familiarity, such loose speech about God and the world, both in the religious and the non-religious world. And some, some false preachers claim that they talk to God. They claim that they talk to God. Well, they claim they have a hotline almost. You know? Remember, remember the, the bat phone? It almost sounds like that, doesn't it? When you hear people talk about that. It's, it's so ridiculous. God speaks to us through his word. And do you know that God... I remember I heard Henry this week say this. He said that all that God has to say to us, he says to us through Christ. Through Christ. And through his word, right? So you, if you hear people say they, they heard God or they talked to God, they're lying. They're liars. They're liars. Anyone who knows God and has had Christ revealed to them know, know that when these folks say that, that they're deceived. Because look at Luke chapter 10, verses 21 to 22. Luke 10, 21 and 22. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father. And no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. And the Father is, and who the Father is but the Son. And he to whom the Son will reveal him. Christ must be revealed to us. And these people, by their, their flippant speech and their low thoughts of God, reveal to us by their speech, that they do not know Christ, that he has not been revealed to them at all. We must declare, every time someone gets in this pulpit, we must declare the majesty of God, the absolute majesty of God. And we, who believers, we declare that to our generation. We declare to our generation the majesty of God. We must proclaim His greatness in our nothingness. We must proclaim His greatness in our nothingness. Listen to how our God is proclaimed. And, and compare, compare this, this text I'll give us, compare this text to the God who's taught out in the religious world. And I know we've all talked to religious people. Compare what you've heard from people's mouths about who they think God is compared to what Paul declares in 1 Timothy 1.17. He says this, Now unto the King Eternal. Now unto the King Eternal. Immortal. Invisible. The only wise God. Be honor and glory forever. And ever, amen. That's the God of the Bible. That's our Savior. That's our King, beloved. And the other gods that people proclaim, little g, are gods which produced, are produced from the idle factories of people's hearts. Because our hearts in our natural state is an idle factory. It just keeps pumping them out. 
who we think God is. But the scripture reveals who he is. This is our final authority, isn't it? He tells us who he is. He reveals to us. We saw that in Luke. He reveals to us who he is. And he is a God who is of absolute majesty, absolute power, a king upon the throne, beloved. Now think of that. And he coming down from glory to redeem us from our sins. That is condescension, isn't it? My, oh my, beloved. So we declare the majesty, the majesty of God to our generation. We don't talk flippantly of our our God. We exalt the greatness of our God. Turn, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And then put your finger in Job chapter 42. And then we'll go back to our text in Daniel. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. In Job 42. Let us consider these words. In these two portions of scripture. Ecclesiastes 5. 1 and 2, keep thy foot when thou goest, in, goest to the house of God. And be more ready to hear. Be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. They don't think they're sinners. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon the earth. Where's our God right now? He's in heaven. He sees everything. He knows everything. We're upon the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. Oh, Lord. And then turn over to Job 42. Job 42. Job was a man who who knew God, knew who God was. The Lord revealed himself in a mighty way through through, through affliction. Look at Job 42, verses 1 to 6. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. Is there anything our God can't do? He can do everything. And that no thought can be withholden from thee. My. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understand not. My goodness. I've spoken things that I don't even understand. Oh my. Things too wonderful for me. Which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Oh, his eye of faith is fixed upon his God. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's what we do when God reveals himself to us. Oh, my Lord, I'm such a sinner, and you're so holy. And you're so full of majesty. With that in mind, let's go back to our text in Daniel chapter 4. 
and consider some truth set forth in our text. Again, let us consider that this great king, Nebuchadnezzar, had been bought very low, very low. He'd been made to eat grass like an ox. And God had taught him some things, just like he taught Jonah when he was in the belly of the whale. Let us consider some of the things Nebuchadnezzar has been taught from our text. Daniel 4, verses 34 to 37. We'll read it again. And at the end of the, of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Boy. And, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his sand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth. In his way is judgment. And those that walk in pride, he's able to abase. Let's look at some things he's been taught and some things that our generation needs to learn. Some things that our generation needs to learn. He's been taught about the majesty, the greatness, and the sovereignty of our Lord God. Now, we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? That's what Scripture declares. And a man's idea of God is usually what comes out of his mouth. That's why, that's why I meant you can tell what a person thinks of God by what they speak. You can tell if they have a low opinion of God. Just listen to what they say. You probably won't be able to listen long, but, but uh, you know quickly what they believe. Look at Daniel 4.34. Nebuchadnezzar is saying this. At the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Now, religion has a God who's limited. Religion has a God who's limited in what he can do. But our God, beloved, our God is a God who rules and reigns. And this scripture proclaims this. He rules and reigns in absolute sovereignty. Now what peace that gives to God's blood-bought saints, right? Because not only do we know that Christ came down according to the decree and, and that God ordered it, but we know that all those he redeemed, he keeps, no matter what we go through. And that he is able to keep us. We can't keep ourselves. But he's able to. And the one who keeps us is the one spoken of in this text. Isn't that marvelous? My. We have a God whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. Think of that. Our generation will die. And if the Lord tarries, our next generation will be raised up. And some will be drawn out of him. That generation, some will be saved. God's got his lost sheep all through time. But like what Brother Jim was saying, when that lost sheep is saved, it's all over. It's all finished. 
It says here his, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. That means no one, can, no one can take over his throne. No one can usurp him. He's been taught, Nebuchadnezzar has been taught about God's absolute sovereign rule. Look at verse 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say, say unto him, What doest thou? Great God, how infinite art thou, what worthless worms are we. Let the whole race of creatures bow and pay their praise to thee. Thy throne eternal ages stood, ere seas or stars were made. Thou art the ever-living God. Were all the nations dead. Nature and time quite naked lie to thy immense survey. From the formation of the sky to the great burning day. Eternity with all its years stands present in thy view. To thee there's nothing old appear, great God, there's nothing new. That's our God. That's our Savior. He is an absolute sovereign. Turn, if you would, to Job chapter 38. He's an absolute sovereign. Job chapter 38, verses 8 to 11. He's an absolute sovereign. Everything, everything is under him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, beloved. Job chapter 38, verses 8 to 11. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb? Do you know that the sea sea can go no further than God commands? My. When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, in thick darkness a swallowing band for it, and break up, break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors. And said, Hither thou shalt come, but no further. And here shall thy proud waves be stayed. He's in control of all the oceans, and all the waters, stars, Everything is at his command. Our God is in the heavens. Someone asks, where's your God? Our God's in the heavens. And he does whatsoever he pleases. Whatever he pleases. My. Nebuchadnezzar, another thing that Nebuchadnezzar has been taught is his nothingness. And remember, he's a king. He's a wealthy king. He's been taught his nothingness. Look at verse 35. Now this this just hammers the pride of man. (laughs) And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. What? I'm something though. (laughs) Right? That's what what people in the world say, right? That's what we used to say, wasn't it? Look out for number one. I remember saying that all the time before the Lord saved me. And then God taught me 
my nothingness. Has he taught you that? We rejoice when he teaches us our nothingness. It's a strange thing. (laughs) Because we were so proud before. Now he teaches his people our nothingness. But yet he has mercy on we who are nothing. Isn't it wonderful? He's been taught his nothingness. Some churches have become nothing but self-esteem workshops. Self-esteem workshops. They really are. How to fix your marriage. How to fix this. How to fix that. They don't know Christ, so they can't preach them. But they're always telling you something you've got to do. Well, gospel preachers, we proclaim our nothingness in his greatness, his majesty, his glory. But people, people love having their ears tickled every time they meet. And the scriptures here proclaim, and, and they hate scriptures like this. They hate scriptures like this, which proclaim this. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Again, God put Nebuchadnezzar out eating grass like an ox. And he found out that he was nothing. And he found out that God is something. (laughs) That God is everything. That God is everything. He was taught that. He was taught that God is absolutely supreme, beloved. That he is all-powerful. That he is a majestic king. He found out that our great God rules and reigns. And look, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. Look at these statements of, of, of who our God is and how we are nothing. Isaiah chapter 40. Now, this is the God of the Bible. And people don't want to hear this, but this is what Scripture declares, isn't it? I'm not giving you my opinion. We're reading what the Word of God says. We're reading what the Word of God says. Isaiah 40. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, verse 13, or being his counselor hath taught him? Has anyone taught God anything? Absolutely not. We don't have no counselors. Leaders in our world, they have counselors and people to help them. And God don't need no one. He don't even need us. Yet he's had mercy on his people in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great God. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel? And who, who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and, and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. Again, I heard Brother Henry say, and Brother Neil, you're, you know what this is. Brother Henry was talking about the drop of the bucket is after you've, you've, you've drained a bucket and there's just a little drop left in the bucket. Little insignificant drop. And then it says the dust of the balances. That's just that, the dust that sits on the balances when they used to weigh things. Just the dust that's insignificant. Right? Insignificant. Drop of a bucket. Behold, the nations are as a, the nations. That means 
all these things, the Roman Empire. Right? Britannica, right? She ruled the waves. Even our great nation. Right? As a drop in a bucket, as the dust of the bounces in the eyes of the Lord. That's our God. That's our God. And are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. They're nothing to him. Oh, this abases human pride and it exalts the sovereignty of God. One preacher said this, let us measure ourselves by our master, then pride will be impossible. Let us measure ourselves by our master and pride will be impossible. We won't be proud. (laughs) Oh my, my. And look at verse 16 and 18 in in Isaiah 40. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All the nations before him are as what? Nothing. Same thing he said about the inhabitants of the earth. They're nothing before him. And they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom will ye liken God? We go to these places, right? Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls. We go, oh, look at that. And it, it, it magnifies our Lord's glory, doesn't it? It does. It may, and, and they're so huge and we're just little things. Is anyone compared to our God? Anything? The heavens can't contain Him, beloved. <laughs> my! My! To whom will you liken God? We can't. We can't liken Him to anyone. Or what likewise will you compare unto Him? There's nothing to compare to Him. Nothing. And this is our Savior. This is our Redeemer. This speaks of our great God. The Lord Jesus Christ. My. All the nations of the earth are before him as nothing, and they're counted as less than nothing in vanity. And this is what Scripture declares. Where is Alexander? Where's the great Caesars? Where are the great Roman legions that conquered, conquered vast parts of Europe? Where are they? That conquered all the way to some parts of the Middle East. Where are they? Where are the mighty armies of the Medes and the Persians? They're all dust now, beloved. They're all dust. They're nothing. But our great God and King is still upon the throne, and He still rules. And he still reigns today just as he did at the time Nebuchadnezzar said this. And just as he ruled and reigned in eternity, he still reigns now and he will reign all the way into eternity. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. This is biblical preaching, This is biblical preaching. 
We saw Daniel proclaim that. We've seen Isaiah proclaim this. The greatness and absolute sovereignty of our God. And the world hates this. And religious folks hate this. But God's saints, God's people, we rejoice in this truth. We rejoice in this truth. With that, we rejoice in this truth that without Christ, we can do nothing. Don't you rejoice in that? You who believe. Without Christ, we can do nothing. Galatians says this, and Galatians 6.3 says this, the scriptures proclaim, for if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. This generation does not want to hear these precious truths, but God's preachers, we preach and proclaim these marvelous truths. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Who do we preach? The Lord Jesus Christ. We preach Christ as our Lord, we preach Christ as our Redeemer, we preach Christ as our Savior, we preach Christ as our redemption, we preach Christ as our righteousness. We preach Christ as our sanctification. We preach Christ as our all in all. He's everything. He's everything. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of the ministry. 2 Timothy chapter 2 or chapter 4, verses 2 to 5. Look again at Daniel 4.35, and we'll see another precious truth here. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Notice, his will. And he, and he doeth according to his will. His will. His will will be accomplished. And none can stay his hand. None can ever say, what are you doing, Lord? Because he is God Almighty seated upon the throne of glory. And he rules in absolute majesty. And he rules in absolute power. No wonder the scripture says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Because he's ruling and reigning in absolute majesty. You can't question what he does. We may question what each other does. We can't question what God does. I may be working on my garden with the flowers and you can say, Wayne, don't do it that way. Do it this way, right? You might be able to say that to me, right? But we can't do that with God. We can't do that with God because God does it his way and none can stay his hand. That's the God of the Bible. You see, See, like the old preachers used to say, cry out to God. We're in His hands. 
he doeth to us whatever he pleases. Oh, plead for mercy. Oh, my. My. And that's what God's people do, eh? God, be merciful to me, the sin. Be merciful to me, the sin. Now think of this. If you could tell God what to do, or if you could stay His hand, He wouldn't be God. A God who, who we humans can control, little g, is not God. But our God, beloved, the God of Daniel and the God of Isaiah, He does whatever He pleases. Whatever He pleases. He's God Almighty. The nations are like a drop in a bucket to Him. He does in the army of heaven and with the inhabitants of the earth whatever He pleases. And no man can stay His hand. And if a man thinks he can stay His hand, what other foolishness? He does not know God. He does not know God. Again, folks pop off about free will or their will, but beloved, our text makes it clear that in this universe there is one overriding will. One overriding will, which every other will is subject to. Because he doeth according to his will, the scripture proclaims. His will. This is speaking of God Almighty. And we're in subjection to him. Now, God is not the author of sin, right? We know that. What does God have to do for a man to, to die in their sins? Just leave him alone. What does God have to do for you and I to go to heaven? Everything. <laughs> That's right. God's people say amen. Praise his mighty name. My. He even teaches us to pray thy will be done. Let us consider the last two verses in our text. At the same time, my reason returned unto me from a, for the glory of, of my kingdom. Mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he's able to abase. Here's the last thing Nebuchadnezzar has been taught that all the works of our great God and our truth in his ways, judgment. He is able to abase those who walk in pride. And he has for every single one of his sheep. We were proud, weren't we? We still struggle with pride, don't we? Let's be honest. We all do. We all do. We're sinners. But he's able to abase the proud, isn't he? And that's what he's done to us. He showed us our nothingness, just like he did to Nebuchadnezzar. And he showed us his greatness. And he's revealed Christ to us. And now we rejoice in our mighty Savior. We rejoice. And, and he'll get every single one of his sheep. There won't be one lost. We know the gospel goes out in power. His word will not return unto him void. It will accomplish what it will. 
It either saves or hardens. And let us think this. Let us think on this. It was according to his will. And we saw in our text his will, right? It was according to his will and purpose that Jesus Christ our Lord came to die as our substitute before his holy law and before his holy justice for our sins. It was according to the will of God. And it was according to his will that the Holy Spirit regenerated every one of us who believe. It was according to his will. His will. It was according to his will that we've all been granted, we who believe, faith and repentance. According to his will. In his timing. In his timing. And it is according to his will that all his lost sheep who remain will be saved. And they will be. They will be. They'll be drawn to Christ. And they'll be showing their need. And it's according to his will and purpose that, we, that we're based. We who walk in pride. We walked in pride. He based us. And it's according to his will, again, that Christ died and paid the ransom for our eternal souls. And it is according to his eternal will that we will be in glory forever with him. One day. Soon. Soon. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne. Oh, you are an absolute sovereign, a God in full control, the one true God. All other gods are figments of man's imagination, but you are the one true God, and your ways are truth. Your ways are truth. And you yourself, Lord Jesus, are the way, the truth, and the life. We, we who have had you revealed to us, we, we marvel in your grace and mercy which you bestowed upon us in Christ Jesus our Lord. And our prayer, O Lord, is that the message would go forth and that you would draw your lost sheep and build up your, build up your people in Christ. Draw your lost sheep to thee, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.